Slips.com. If you plan to call in and speak with one of our hosts, please turn down your radio and separate yourself from any background noise and wait for the area code to be called on before you speak. And don't forget, RevolutionRadioFreedomSlips.com is listener supported. So stop by the homepage, FreedomSlips.com. Visit the site support area to help support the host you're listening to's airtime. Thank you. Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, where the truth never sleeps. Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school 
I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio A. My forte? Foreclosure and contract law. Grab your legal pad and pen. Learn a broad spectrum of law spanning administrative, criminal, family, tort, and federal law. Fools and losers cling to old cases. I dissect and comment on the latest rulings that control the courts. Don't be a loser. And if you don't appear, you will be held in contempt. society on upon which this country has fallen, a storm breaks upon the horizon. It's been said that those that have the eyes to see and the ears to hear will play a paramount role in the furthering of humanity and civilized society. But can civilized society and humanity survive the coming conflicts? Not seen since a dawn of time in ages by past. But you can find true forms of information and knowledge in abundance at revolution.radio, freedomsleps.com, the number one listener supported radio station on the globe. Stand upon the right side of history. The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Okay, good morning, and welcome to Free Association. I'm waiting to see if there's another set of bumpers queuing, but I think we've I think we've been through them all now. Uh, that's fine. Uh, it's the it's the um, the morning show. It's nine o'clock over here, just after. 
uh, which means it's 4 a.m. in the States. Uh, so it's early, early everywhere. It's early for me. Um, but we'll, we'll do this as we do it. I'm trying to get hold of, of Lawrence because I think Lawrence is available this week, but there's no, no reply from him as yet. So we'll just, we'll just carry on and I'll talk for a little while because it's, uh, I feel like I haven't done a, done a big show for a while. I skipped the Saturday show and it's kind of, it means I've got talking in my head to do. So, so I'll just do a little bit of that. And say hello to some people in the chat room. So we've got Navy, uh, Blessing, Sergeant Miller's in there, uh, Meow's in there, Lizzie, as well. Unvacceptional Gear Jammer is in the, in, in the house at the moment, so just a reminder for everybody if, uh, if you do enjoy what you're hearing on, on Rev Radio, it is a listener-supported station. So if you do have $5 maybe in your, in your back pocket you can spare, then uh, come on down to, to revolution.radio or freedomslips.com and uh, help us out. Just help us to keep the... Uh, the servers running. Nobody, nobody gets any money for doing what we're doing here. It's all uh, voluntary. So it's a, it's a bit of a logistical operation. Hi, Lizzie. How are you doing? So we've got a chat room here, as I said, and you can, uh, you can help us out just by being in the chat room. You can help us out just by uh, sharing. Your experience, sharing, sharing resources, sharing the things that you think are important. That's really the way to do it. Uh, the money, the money all helps, but you don't, we would, we wouldn't get the donations unless people were participating in the chat room, I don't think. I think that's part of it. And there's people listening all over the world, it's not just the United States. So I'm in the UK. I know there's, there's four or five of us in the UK on the station. There's quite a few people in Australia and New Zealand. Lots of people in the States and Central America and Canada. So quite a lot of the world. All right, I had... Uh, I had a bit of an uh, bit of an issue <laughs> on Saturday, so I couldn't do the show on Saturday. But um, what I'll do is I'll set uh, I'll set up. I've got a playlist somewhere that I'll that I set up for for roundtables. So I'll have a look on there and see what uh, what we can play. And have, let's have a look at Bitchute first of all. It's always a an interesting place to start, if nothing else. It's a place to. It's a place to start, and that's all. That's all I really need. Because once I start, I'm, I'm already doing it. There we go. We've got a. We've got an apology from Joe Rogan to. Responding to the Spotify outrage. 
So, uh, as you probably already know, that there's been a, an issue with um, the response of musicians to Joe Rogan having uh, doctors on his show with different opinions. And uh, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell have both pulled out of Spotify or asked Spotify to remove their music. So as a result of that, there was a, those $2 billion wiped off the share price of Spotify. And Rogan's responded by, uh, by just saying he'll do, he'll do a little bit better to try and balance things, which is fair enough. I mean, I don't have a problem with it personally. But uh, Joni Mitchell and Neil Young were both um, affected by polio. So they're, they're very, very personally aware of, of what vaccines can do to, to end epidemics. So it's a, long, it's a long time ago now, but it's personal experience for them. So you can't expect them not to respond. So anyway, this is the this is the response by Joe Rogan. I think this was yesterday. On sound bites or based on headlines of articles that are disparaging, um, the podcast has been accused of spreading dangerous misinformation specifically about two episodes, a little bit about some other ones, but specifically about two, one with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough and one with Dr. Robert Malone. Dr. Peter McCullough is a cardiologist and he is the most published physician in his field in history. Dr. Robert Malone owns nine patents on the creation of mRNA vaccine technology and is at least partially responsible for the creation of the technology that led to mRNA vaccines. Both these people are very highly credentialed, very intelligent, very accomplished people, and they have an opinion. All right. All right, I don't know whether the video was playing, but I think I've got Lawrence on the line now. Ah, oh, yeah. I'm here. I was playing Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan uh, short video, but it's in his response to uh, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell withdrawn from Spotify. Ah, you're going to play it now? 
I was I was attempting to, but I don't think it worked. I don't know whether it worked or not. Well, let's give it another try. Yeah, I didn't hear it. It was only a couple of minutes anyway, so let's try it again. Alright, I don't think my screen share worked, so I'm, I'm going to give up on that. I've tried twice. Yeah. Uh, I, we'll just have a conversation instead, Lawrence, I think. Yeah, alright, yeah, I just don't hear anything, so it's just silence. <laughs> alright, yeah, sometimes the screen share doesn't take. I've got a, I've got a red box around my screen, but it's not working. But not to worry. Uh, we'll just carry on regardless. So, it's been a while since I spoke to you. How, how are you doing? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm fine. Um, we are out of slowly out of the the Dutch lockdown now, bit by bit, and um, they're open up opening up since Wednesday. Bars and restaurants till um, like ten, eleven o'clock at night, and um, yeah, so that so means also start, starting to get back to normal again. Yeah, slowly. I mean, it's just insane as you see other places that are already moved everything uh, including England I wanted to talk about that what's happening there but uh, um, yeah so they're changing it back slowly but the problem is now at work they are because the place where I work they are very pro-government so they uh, force all these QR codes and people have to wear mild caps including the, the people who work there so it's yeah I was thinking about quitting because it's really not my policy I'm, I'm not going to discriminate against people to let them in or not in and, and uh, don't like wearing that stupid mouth cap and all that so but rather other than that I'm doing fine uh, I feel good and I see that uh, the narrative is constantly uh, being pushed back a little bit so uh, oh, yeah, it's, 
it's definitely shifted in in where I am. It's uh, it's ridiculously fluid what's going on there. The fact that Boris Johnson's in trouble politically definitely helps. Yeah. He's got some uh, some issues going on with some parties that he had a couple of years ago that are in the background all the time now. So, so he's got a an obvious track record as as somebody who doesn't follow his own rules, and uh, it means it, it means that everybody's very very cynical at the moment and and just wanting to get back to normal. And I think that's part part of why we've moved so fast is the fact that he's in trouble politically. Yeah, but it, I guess you're right. But it's, it seems strange. You you cannot just. I don't think you decide those things just on your own. You say, "Oh, I'm in trouble." I just turn everything around. I don't think it works like that in politics. But that's me. Maybe I could be completely wrong. But, uh, no, no. Well, obviously, he's he's, uh, he's got to take the medical advice, but he doesn't have to follow the medical advice. Mm-hmm. He's got to yeah. balance everything out. So he's still got enough leeway that he can speed things up a little bit. Yeah, well, but so, but um, they also turned back all the QR codes, right? If I was right, you don't have to uh, have a QR code or a test to go anywhere. No, not not now. Um, they're they're phasing out all of that. I think it ends officially in March. All right. Because it's two years since it was brought in. Is is the middle of March? So they're just not renewing the the rules. So the rules are still there, but they're just not re- being renewed. And it's mm. guidance now instead of. A mandate or whatever. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's one step forward at least. Uh, uh, but, but but they can still do it. If you have a business and you want to do it, you can still do it, or not? Yeah. They're, they're saying if people if people want to want to kind of keep their own space with masks and QR codes, they can do that. And and some of the big some of the bigger businesses are. The supermarkets mm-hmm. are still asking people to wear masks. I, I don't know how many people do because I don't shop in those supermarkets. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I don't. I go to supermarkets here and I don't do it, and nobody says anything. Even the security guards don't say anything. I mean, some places they do, but a lot of them they do because don't because they're tired of it and they just let me walk around without it. So, I mean, the more people do it, the less they can say say yeah, something I mean, about it. The place that I do my shopping is is just a small kind of freezer center place and they they were quite they, they, they've never enforced really masks people were doing it because it's such a small place and the staff were obviously in there and they were, at the beginning they were quite frightened you could see they were frightened so i did i did used to wear wear a mask at the till just out of respect for the staff but it's like after about three months it just gets boring and gets repetitive and gets and I started for, to forget anyway, and uh, and then and then the staff was were a bit looser about it and slightly less frightened and wearing their masks under their chins a little bit, which means that, that obviously the customers then that's a cue for the customers to relax a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so most people by the end of it would would just not really worrying too much about it. Even the staff in that particular shop. The woman who was who was very frightened at the beginning was totally totally relaxed. About about a month ago, even over Omicron, she wasn't stressing at all. So she's got used to the idea that it's not going to be an issue for her. 
But it's taken two years, and that's that's where it is. It takes two years for people to start getting over their fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I had some people, um, uh, interesting people who talked about this for years, not just about Corona, but about everything that's happening. So we have a we have a Dutch version of David Ike, so to speak, and he already said uh, it's probably going to take. And he said, I cannot say exactly, but it's probably going to take about two years to play out. It looks like he's kind of correct if you look at now uh, how it's kind of, um, yeah, uh, breaking down a little bit. But, yeah, I'm still, you know, um, uh, skeptical because probably the next new thing will be on the way. Once they've finished with the vaccine stuff, uh, what I read is they're going to move on with uh, climate about climate lockdowns or scaring people with the climate and all that stuff. But anyway, that's just looking ahead. Uh, for now, I hope it will turn around. We had a good, we had a famous Dutch comedian also who spoke out on YouTube, who spoke out about the Netherlands, the Dutch government and the new Dutch health minister and uh, warning everybody, saying, say no to this QR code and we're not like China, we want freedom and we should be creative, we should, we should do that. And he had a very good argument. I said, well, good. So at least some some uh, good, uh, some famous people are um, aware of the issue and speaking out. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely helps. I mean, it's, it's one one person speaking gives other people permission to speak and gives people courage. I think so. All it takes is one. Yeah, exactly. You have to. That's why also, if you see someone in the supermarket, everybody's wearing a mouth cap, and someone is not. That gives also the courage for another one to not do it. Say, oh, so he's not doing it, and I can uh, not do it either. So it's always someone who has to show, like, hey, um, you know, give the example, like lead by example. And uh, but not everybody is, of course, uh, brave enough. I'm not always myself, but in some places where I know I can do it, when I can get away with it, say, okay, I'll do it. You know. Why not? And I know at some places they don't say anything. I'll just, just go ahead. But anyway, yeah, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's turning, uh, they're turning it around now slowly. You'll see. It's not yet fully turned around, but uh, I guess with the temperature slowly rising and, uh, you know, going towards spring, it will probably, uh, they will put it all back again. Uh, at least, I mean, turn, uh, turn it uh, back as not to, to more normal. So, yeah, definitely. The in, New, in Newcastle, they've moved everything so that it so that the tables are outside a lot of the time now. Everybody's got all the bars and cafes have got permission to put tables outside, which they didn't all have last a couple of years ago. But I think that'll stay. Now that people have started to get used to it, the uh, the tables in the street thing. They've been trying to do that for years in Newcastle, but it's too cold. Yeah. Do they not put up um, like uh, screens and heating lamps? They do it here in Amsterdam a lot. That they put them. They built a lot yeah. of screens here the last two years, and so against the wind and uh, put heating lamps for the cold. Yeah, they do. They do. There's a couple of bars that have got. Well, it's more than a couple now, but there was a couple of bars that were designed around. Like there's a place designed around a big courtyard, like a big food court, mm-hmm. and they've got they've got heat lamps in there and they've they've got buskers five nights a week so there's always me or djs or whatever there's always music going on in there it's an interesting place some i've seen some good some good buskers in there well that's good but yeah even though even if things would 
return to quite normal, there's a lot of damage already being done, and, and damage to businesses, damage to people, damage to hospitals, and so it's still, if you even can go back to a certain more normality, um, yeah, there's a lot of things to recover and to uh, to fix. Yeah, that again, that'll take a couple of years as well. But it, once once we're rolling in the right direction, then then it'll happen automatically. It'll it'll just people have got to got to pay back what they borrowed from the government to pay pay wages. That doesn't that doesn't dis, that does, that money doesn't disappear. It has to be paid back. So that's an extra an extra bill for businesses, which means the prices have to go up. Well, yeah, we'll see. It feels at least a little bit more positive if you look around uh, what's happening today. But um, we'll see. I'll, I'll stay on top of it uh, when I do my show and uh, see how much I can <laughs> get the information uh, out, which I think is uh, interesting to follow. But uh, Yeah. Uh, so now I'm back because um, that's why I'm here today, because uh, normally I worked from Wednesday to Sunday, and uh, uh, now we did that again. Uh, unless we go open fully, then it might change again. Then they switch my uh, my days to uh, my days off to other other days. So I'll see. All right, I'll, I'll just keep pulling you in on on a Tuesday morning. And if you if you want to come in, you're welcome. Yeah, as long as uh, at least for this month, I think I will still be free on Thursday. And and if I'm gonna look this month to see if I can do something else, if I can quit. But even if I quit, I still have to work one more month. But I want, really want to look this month to do something else because I, I don't agree with this, uh, what they uh, are doing, asking people. They're not asking, asking for a QR, now they also ask their ID. I think, come on, and this is going too far. And you have to wear a mouth cap and you have to show a QR and you have to show your ID. I mean, this is not, I don't feel good with that. No, it sounds a bit over the top. I think the the only place where people have to, have to do vaccine we're doing vaccine passports with like places like theatres and bigger, bigger concert events. But I think that's even voluntary now as well. Probably everybody's still doing it, quite honestly, until until the legislation disappears, people will still do it because it, it's become a habit now, which is unfortunate. But it's where people are habituated into doing that stuff. And uh, it'll take two years to get out of the habit. It's taken two years to get into. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, people have accepted it, and they don't. And then they don't mind. So if if, the, if then you ask, they say okay. But for those who never uh, were were for it, or were always saying okay, this is not needed, it still feels you know annoying. And, uh, especially if you. The, the problem is the place where I work. The, the people who own it, and and everybody else. They're they're nice people, but they're so. Pro um, pro government and pro rules. Uh, there, there, there's a feeling with me like that doesn't connect. Like, <laughs> there's just no need for it. I mean, but I'm I'm just a simple employee. So um, I think like in a month they will change it around. Also, I think next month, um, the beginning of next month. Now we're in a new month, but beginning of the next month, probably they will also remove the mouth caps and all that. But um, still. Anyway, but that's just personal thing. I think I'm going to look this month to see if I can do something else and get out there. But anyway, yeah, apart from that, um, I'm, I'm not suffering much. I still, uh, still, we have no uh, forced vaccination, so that's a good thing. That's the most important thing. I'm not forced to take anything. Yeah, that was the main thing that happened yesterday over here. 
the the health workers were going to be mandated, they were going to be forced to be vaccinated, and the deadline's coming up. Uh, the deadline would have been tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So the government the government's backtracked. They've got a consultation exercise going on, which means that they can get away with changing their mind. Mm-hmm. All right. Which takes the pressure off a little bit, but the the health workers were starting to come out on demonstrations. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's a good number of them. There's like eighty thousand health workers were going to be sacked. So I mean, the idea of you've got a a national health service that's that's been decimated for two years. There's six million people on the waiting list for operations, and you're going to lose eighty thousand of your trained staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah doesn't make a lot of logistical sense to me, so there's no way they could really justify it. No, that, I mean, then you, I mean, even if you want to destroy things, you cannot do it like that, that it's, <laughs> it's impossible. You know, it's, it's, yeah, all these people have to wait for, in my opinion, for nothing, now cannot be helped because there's no personal, if they fire everyone, so... Yeah, if you go up against these, I think they reached it up. You know, you can if you, you've gone too far, you can do it with little businesses. But when you reach the big ones, you get a massive uh, like this massive uh, uh, pushback. And like what's happening in Canada, and uh, you know, it's like it becomes you now reaching the higher levels, so the, the, the pushback is bigger. Yeah, I mean, once once you've got truck drivers rolling against you, you're in you're in serious trouble. Truck, truck drivers can do a lot of logistical damage, and everybody's affected by it. It's, uh, it's an interesting thing what's going on in Canada. It's, it's, uh, it'll, it'll shift over there, but it's taking more in Canada to shift it than it did in in the UK. Yeah, because they're further down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean. Yeah, Canada was since Trudeau is there. It's already been a very weird place. But um, I mean, if that's the way to have to do it, then uh, well, well, it's good to see. You know that uh, I've never seen anything in my lifetime like this. So, and they're doing it all over. As, um, they're also busy in the Netherlands to do it, and of course in Australia, where it actually started. It was actually in Australia where they started to, to, with this idea with the trucks to um, to block uh, to block cities, and it, did, it didn't completely work but it now seems to work in Canada so so that's yeah, interesting but um, anyway how was uh, how have you been doing with the shows and uh, and uh, now that it's a little bit more relaxed over there yeah well I'm, I've just been doing my normal my normal weekly stuff um, I've, I've eased off on the on the Podbean shows a little bit and I'm I'm focusing a bit more on the on the radio shows again, just for a little while. I did get a I got I got a spike in in traffic on the on the podcast over Christmas, over New Year actually, when when the Robert Malone interview on Joe Rogan went out, uh, I I kind of I hit the spot because I was posting the same type of material, so I got a, a huge uptick in in downloads over New Year, and it started again now that now that the um, controversies happening about uh, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell withdrawn from Spotify, I had an uptick last night as well. Not not very much, but uh, I mean, 
the traffic level doubled. So anything that anything that involves Joe Rogan on Spotify is going to double my traffic. I think. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, but that that shows also where the where the interest um, the mainstream interest is switching. Then, if you can get them uh, through that. But the only thing is now, of course, then to <laughs> to keep them there, not just because they find that one bit interesting, but um, that you make this new kind of uh, downloads that they also find uh, the rest of what you are going to do interesting, and that they will stick around. Yeah, so well, for you to there have, yeah. there have been a few people. Well, I, I don't know whether it's the same people downloading every day, though. That's the thing; I can't tell. All I can see is the raw numbers, but. But the the number's been consistently higher than it was before Christmas for the whole of January. Oh, that's so good. It's it's staying it's staying at a higher level, and and spiking every now and again. So I don't know how it'll do. I mean, I'm just I'm testing everything. I'm just playing with it and testing ideas to see what works ultimately. Yeah, of course. Yeah, me too. I mean, I've, I've got lots of ideas, and I still have my uh, also my uh, love for video stuff, and I, I, I'm still looking how I can do something with that. Um, so, yeah, but it's I may actually enjoy when I, for me personally, when I do, even if it's just two or three people, it's fine because you know, if you do alternative stuff, it's always if you reach if you become too big you see you get too much pushback also and I'm not waiting for that so I'm just doing it more because I like it and in the meantime I'm going to discover what else I like about uh, audio and, and video and, and, and podcasting and uh, so it's still uh, yeah it's still a, a learning phase and figuring out where to go and what you want to do and what you want to present and what's really the thing that you're good at presenting as well which makes also all the difference Yeah, I think it'll it'll work out. I'm going to focus particularly on the. I haven't said that I'm focusing on the radio show. I'm going to focus particularly on the podcast this year. So I'm doing the opposite of what I said I was going to do. Um, but it it all feeds into the same thing anyway. It's all it all goes into the same flow ultimately. It all turns into podcast. So yeah. it'll it, it'll get there in the end. It's just a matter of uh, I want to keep it fun though. So it's. Uh, I know I've got a I've got a thing in the back of my head about about at the very least covering the costs of it, but uh, the problem is that if if I keep it fun, I won't cover the costs, and if I cover the costs, it might stop being fun. So yeah, I have to be a bit careful with it. So it's a balance to be struck. Mm-hmm. Well, did you get any um, uh, people who are able to sponsor, willing to sponsor you, or not yet? Not so far. I've asked. I've asked a couple of people. I've put the word out to a couple of people that are that the the podcast's doing well and it's open to sponsorship, but uh, nothing so far. But I think money's tight because uh, people have just come out of lockdown or whatever. So there's uh, there's a, a bit of a I don't want to say as a general thing there's a shortage of money at the moment, but there's certainly a an emphasis on doing specific things with it. Rather than having spare. Yeah, I've also been uh, 
I forgot a little bit. I was very focused on, uh, in the beginning, I was very focused also on health issues. Even before the corona, I was I was really already busy with um, interesting natural things that can help aid your health. And uh, I think I'm going to try and go look, do that again. And then in that circumstance, you can maybe find sponsors who people who are in that industry, in the health industry, uh, uh, in the natural health industry, who sell good products, who might be willing to sponsor you then, if you at least reach a bit of an audience and you do your research well. And that will be easier to have success with than doing with <laughs> with politics and all that, I think. So for me, I wanted to go into that direction also. And uh, because there's so much, I discovered so much fascinating things that you can do. Uh, you, it all goes back to nature, actually. You can find so many good things you can take to uh, stay in the right balance, and including the right food right diet uh, so I wanted to see if I can switch to that again slowly and from there there might be a sponsorship in there there's lots of good companies who have great products so yeah and the other thing I, the other thing I can do is promote my Reiki on, on the podcast and see if I can get some, some private sessions from people and potentially do, do Reiki all over the world so that might be one way to do it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, when, you, when it comes down to helping people, healing people, and all that kind of stuff, there's always a, a, a crowd for that. I mean, who doesn't? Everybody has some issues, and who doesn't want to be helped? And if that can, uh, if you also enjoy it, and you, and you can find your your uh, crowd and, and, and the right people, and uh, of course, it's becoming a little bit difficult, maybe, to make it something to listen to. That's maybe more difficult in that case. Um, but I think it's a good idea. Anything that is to dealing with health and helping people out and um, giving them some kind of pointers, yeah, I think there's yeah, much that. more uh, option in than dealing with news like I do usually. Yeah, I'm going to give the I'm going to give this um, Joe Rogan piece another try. See yeah, if we, see sure. if we can get it working. Yeah, well, I don't know why there's no sound. It's so strange. I don't know either. I'll just keep trying it. You've got to start and stop the screen share to get it working properly. Well, let's give it another go. I think there's a lot of people that have a distorted perception of what I do, maybe based on sound bites or based on headlines of articles that are disparaging. Um, the podcast has been accused of spreading dangerous misinformation, specifically about two episodes, a little bit about some other ones, but specifically about two, one with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough and one with Dr. Robert Malone. Dr. Peter McCullough is a cardiologist and he is the most published physician in his field in history. Dr. Robert Malone owns nine patents on the creation of mRNA vaccine technology and is at least partially responsible for the creation of the technology that led to mRNA vaccines. Both these people are very highly credentialed, very intelligent, very accomplished people, and they have an opinion that's different from the mainstream narrative. I wanted to hear what their opinion is. I had them on, and because of that, those episodes in particular... Uh, they, those episodes were labeled as being dangerous. They had dangerous misinformation in them. The problem I have with the term misinformation, especially today, 
is that many of the things that we thought of as misinformation just a short while ago are now accepted as fact. Like, for instance, eight months ago, if you said, if you get vaccinated, you can still catch COVID and you can still spread COVID, you would be removed from social media. They would they would ban you from certain platforms. Now that's accepted as fact. If you said, I don't think cloth masks work, you would be banned from social media. Now, that's openly and repeatedly stated on CNN. If you said, I think it's possible that COVID-19 came from a lab, you'd be banned from many social media platforms. Now, that's on the cover of Newsweek. All of those theories that at one point in time were banned were openly discussed by those two men that I had on my podcast that have been accused of dangerous misinformation. I do not know if they're right. I don't know because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a person who sits down and talks to people and has conversations with them. Do I get things wrong? Absolutely. I get things wrong, but I try to correct them. Whenever I get something wrong, I try to correct it because I'm interested in telling the truth. All right. Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, okay, so we've, at least we've got the screen share working. Let's start. Yeah, no, that's perfect. The sound was good. Yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's, his, um, his response was quite quite effective, I think. He's, uh, he's making the, um, basically making the point that, that the things we're talking about now were, were labeled misinformation six months ago, which it's taken about a year for things to come through. Uh, it took about a year for the lab leak, and then things it speeded up a little bit since then. But but the first first one to come through was the lab leak, and that took about a year to go mainstream. Uh, that's the short version of the Joe Rogan response. The longer version's got a story about a Neil Young concert on it. I think somebody's just cut it down a little bit. I'll share it in the chat. It always takes a while. All these truths to come out, it takes takes a couple of months before people, most people, start to see uh, see it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's literally taken taken a year. But once one thing comes through, then then other things have got space. And uh, it was the in in Britain where I am, it was the health service workers. That made finally made the difference. That was the critical mass that mm-hmm. made the difference. And that's no, been that's very recent. That's been like since New Year. So the last three or four weeks, uh, simply because they've been they've been turning up on demonstrations, uh, and everybody, all the healthcare workers that have that have to be they're all wearing branded hoodies. They're all wearing wearing NHS. 100k sweatshirts, so they're very visible. Mm-hmm. It's not just one person among a crowd; it's a visible person among a crowd, and that makes a huge, huge difference. So it's something we can all learn from. It's, is it got to If you're going to do, if we're going to do this, if we ever have to do it again, we need we need branding. We need to be a bit more visible. Yeah, I have to say. Um there's a lot happening also in the Netherlands. I mean, there's um, all different kinds of um, um, also small, like uh, 
protest, people uh, going out at night with groups with uh, like uh, candlelights protests. You know, they go out and uh, and of course it's not covered in the news generally, but I know my sources and uh, those things are happening. Uh, so um, yeah, there is um, definitely a lot yeah, more happening, but you need ex- the the the. The big mess, basically, and uh, and of course also uh, big big people speaking out, like famous people and others. And uh, you'll then see the change. So now we're at that point where things you can see it's shifting a little bit. Ten, seven, eight minutes. So I'll go through a bit of bit of bit shoot and play another clip here or there. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, nee. Ik zal er vanmiddag even op terugkomen. Ik zeg nog een beetje pijn aan de sessie beantwoord dat hij moet even op terugkomen. Maar misschien wel weer daar. Ja, ja. Five minutes. This is the Canadian truckers. Oké, dankjewel even voor het meedenken nog steeds. Hoi. So I have three questions that were asked to the minorities 
to the Punjabi community. Will you not support our Canadian truckers, our brothers and sisters, which so many of them are farmers? Aren't they a small fringe minority? Over 60,000 of them. Are you willing to support them with everything like you did for the farmers? This is the land that provides us. This is the land that's given us everything. And it's time to wake up. We need to respond. Show them support. You can't take your trucks and vehicles. Light up the internet every day like you did for the Indian protest. You got put decals, no farmers, no food. Why not make decals, no truckers, no food, and put on a windshield right now? I was disappointed. I was disappointed and a bit ashamed as well. Not seeing no Punjabi truckers going in the convoy. Maybe you guys don't know, maybe the mainstream media has got to think, got you thinking differently. But what's happening right there, you can't hide it anymore. You guys know it. You have to look yourself in the eye and respond. Am I not Canadian enough? Am I not Canadian to be with those guys over there that are fighting for everyone's rights? And everyone's freedom? If we don't fight for our freedom, our future kids, our future generations, remember this, guys, there will be no future. That guy sitting in Ottawa, takes the world terrorist? A small fringe minority? Is that what he thinks? It's going to change. You guys see the, see the tide turning? Do you guys feel the wind's coming from a different direction? Well, I say this, there's a hurricane coming. It's already done in Ottawa. And we are not going to leave. Every one of you, I want you to support those guys. It takes a month, two, or whatever. Let them sit there. Can we get the victory just like the Indian farmers? They just sat there until the government passed down. Took them one year. Doesn't matter how long it takes. We are going to sit in solidarity with our truckers, our farmers of Canada, and we will support them. Thank you, Lord. All right, so that's the uh, part of the rally for the uh, Canadian truckers. And obviously everybody coming together to support the the Freedom Rally. Um, so you're listening to Revolution Radio. This is Free Association. It's the round table version. Um, I've got Lawrence with me in uh, Amsterdam. Uh, we've got a break coming up for, for about three or four minutes, but we'll we'll be back uh, after that. We'll do some more clips and have some more conversation for another hour. And uh, Stay with us. You've got time to put the kettle on, no? If you want a cup of coffee, now's the time to do it. And we'll see you in about three or four minutes.
Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. We'll be right back after this message. This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. You opposed government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. Law. Do you enjoy interviews with amazing guests? Then join Crip Rick every Monday night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Revolution Radio. Studio A, freedomslips.com. Crip Rick's iPhone Welcome to the Crypt. <laughs> Join me at Revolution Radio, Studio B, at 11 a.m. on Saturday for Free Association, when we take a look at philosophy, spirituality, psychology, social issues, and geopolitics. It's every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. On Studio B at freedomslips.com. Enter into a world unseen on Raven Star's Witching Hour. You will encounter eclectic topics from the realm of spirit brought into our matrix of truth. With your host, the Solaris Blue Raven, Solaris will bring you an array of unique guests covering topics from ghostly spirits to amazing anomalies, covert technology, UFOs, and shadowy global events. And that's right here at Revolution Radio Freedom Saturdays, midnight till 2 a.m. Eastern Time. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. Let the magic ride. <laughs> Galactic Interstellar Council on Revolution Radio Studio A, Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern. Join us as we traverse the Starseed Paradigm. As expressed in the time-space continuum that we know as the divine expression of love and light. Integrating this conscious unity into the galactic paradigm. So welcome all, both terrestrial beings and galactic beings as one. So be it. You're listening to Revolution Radio. The 
Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Any commercial advertising you may hear in this program is of the sole discretion and benefit of the host of whose program you are listening to. Revolution Radio does not endorse any commercial products, nor does it accept monetary compensation for on-air advertising of commercial products, nor will it ever. We are and shall remain 100% listener supported. Any product advertising on this program are considered used at higher risk, and Revolution Radio shall not be held liable for any claims or damages received from any product advertised within this program. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. Thanks for listening while we take that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. Okay, welcome back to the round table. Um, I've got Lawrence with me in Amsterdam. Uh, we're just going through some bitchute clips at the moment, and uh, I found a piece. This is about. 20 minutes long, so it's a bit long, but I'll, I haven't listened to it either. The Joe Rogan piece I'd already heard, so I know I knew what I was doing with that one, but I want to take a chance on this for the first five minutes of it and, and see how it goes. Uh, this is some scientists in New Zealand um, seem to have found some, some kind of nanotechnology in the vaccine. So I'm a bit, I'm a bit cautious about the, the graphene oxide stories that are coming out. And I'm a bit, I'm very cautious about the, uh, the alien parasite stories because I think they're nonsense. That was obviously contamination. Uh, it's, it's always possible that we're living in a 1970s dystopian science fiction movie, but, uh, the odds are quite small, really, that, it, that that sort of thing's going on. It's much more likely that it was con- contamination. Uh, anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to play this and see how it goes. Um, if it's rubbish, I'll switch it off. And we'll do something else. Welcome to a special counterspin report. Bombshell evidence in New Zealand has been discovered by scientists right here in New Zealand. The New Zealand doctor speaking out with science, led by Dr. Matt Shelton, tried to present this information to the New Zealand Doctor General of Health, Ashley Bloomfield, but unfortunately they were denied this meeting with him and other health officials. The revelations are that here in New Zealand, like other places in the world, nanoparticulates have been found in the Pfizer community injection. Now, this is really, really important and needs to get out there. Here's the video with Sue Gray interviewing Dr. Matt Shelton about this finding. So um, we were contacted early in the week um, by a group of scientists who've been doing 
some uh, uh, scientific analysis of microscopy work um, on the Pfizer vaccine, um, which had been uh, stimulated by some overseas reports uh, by groups of uh, you know, very credible and credentialed um, experts, chemists and, and pathologists, uh, who were reporting um, finding what appears to be very, very, uh, very, very tiny, but very complex um, sort of nanoscale technology. Uh, and the group in New Zealand had found uh, exactly the same thing. So um, I was asked to, uh, to go and have a look, um, and I have I, I certainly satisfied myself that these are not fakes, uh, and that these are real people, and this is real work having been done in New Zealand. Have you ever come across anything like this before? Well, we, we've been aware from uh, of the reports that I mentioned. Um, from the overseas? Yes. Um, so there's a, um, a Spanish group, um, so Orwell.city is the website, and they've been publishing work steadily. Uh, and and um, there's a group uh, in Germany, um, very eminent uh, pathologists, who reported uh, their findings on post-mortems of people who died post-vaccination. And they reported seeing things that they'd never seen before in their very long careers. But they also reported finding um, unexpected ingredients, shall I say, in the, in the vaccines. Uh, in fact, there were a number of other scientists and health professionals on that uh, press conference who also reported the same thing. So, um, you know, it's still, it's still very shocking when you see it yourself. Uh, you know, it's important to remember when you're looking at the pictures and the videos um, that, uh, you know, this is nanoscale, which means, you know, extremely small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some of the uh, sort of behavior of what seems to be machinery or circuitry, um, routers, chips, that type of thing, um, you know, is, is very hard to explain. But um, scientists tell me that, that at that sort of scale, things like gravity and magnetism um, behave rather differently. Mm. And I, I certainly am no expert at all in this area. Um, but having uh, spent a very hurried few days really trying to um, prove up this work and satisfy ourselves uh, that um, you know, really it needs investigating by, by the professional regulators um, and investigators who are charged with protecting the public. This really is astounding information and the New Zealand public deserves to hear this and the New Zealand members of parliament should be looking at this and MedSafe our medical regulator should absolutely be taking this to ac into account. Now, the woman who was interviewing Dr. Matt Shelton in that video is, of course, one of New Zealand's most dedicated legal minds, Sue Gray. Sue Gray is a lawyer, and she's also the co-leader of the Freedom and Outdoors political party here in New Zealand. Now, another woman who was invited to this meeting that officials refused to attend is, of course, multi-party candidate and a woman who has dedicated her life to Māori in New Zealand is, of course, her name is Donna Pokeri Phillips. Welcome to the show, Donna. Why were you there on Parliament steps wanting to attend this meeting that didn't happen? Um, well, kia mai tātou, uh, kia ora hena. Firstly, uh, I was invited down uh, to attend the meeting, um, and I thought it was really important uh, since we were meeting with ministers and their officials, in particular MedSafe, uh, Crown Law and the Ministry of Health. Um, uh, and because 
of the role that I've been playing in my community, uh, getting getting uh, the truth out from my perspective, um, the impact that all of this mandating has had on the Māori community who have uh, uh, been at the brink of negative statistics anyway. Uh, this pretty much has pushed a lot of our people over. Um, and during all of this mandating of this rollout of this, what I class as a chemical, yeah. no, it's not medication, it's not a vaccination, it's a chemical, and it's identified under the fine safety guard uh, um, and the regulators are so really working on it as a chemical. Um, it, it was really important that I participate in this process. Yes, it was to not have the politicians there, be they elected or be they appointed. Um, but I think for me, what was really Groundbreaking, I guess, was the fact that there was an oral submission being held at 4 o'clock that afternoon. So if they didn't attend, we had another bite at the cherry. Yeah, I he's guess, a busy man. Is, is, he's a hard-working man. How I saw it. Yeah, and that was really fortuitous, wasn't it? Because obviously um, Subray had this other House Select Committee submission lined up. And then that's where you come into play, because this next video clip that we're going to watch is actually something you filmed, and that's actually of Sue Gray and Dr Matt Shelton trying to raise awareness to the Select Committee where they're really concerned about this chemical injection. Let's play that clip now. The principle of do no harm is very important. Informed consent is also extremely important. Every library in New Zealand is full of books on natural immunity, nutrition, stress management and lifestyle. Sadly, our public health system is still in the old pharmaceutical paradigm. While preparing for the submission, I've become aware of some very important new information. It involves scientific evidence of the contamination of a medicine that is currently being rolled out to healthy New Zealanders over the age of five. We have tried to arrange an urgent meeting this afternoon with the Director General of Health, MedSafe and Crown Law. We are dismayed that they have refused to meet with us. Accordingly, we feel compelled to raise this matter this afternoon with the Parliamentary Committee to formally put each of you on notice and to request your immediate assistance. We request that this medicine, yes we are, it's entirely relevant. We request that this medicine, the Pfizer vaccine known as Cominati, be immediately withdrawn at least until the contamination is fully investigated and the medicine can be proven to contain only approved ingredients. The issues at stake are extremely important. They go to informed consent and the lawfulness and judiciary duties owed by the electoral representatives of the people of New Zealand. Dr Matt Shelton, who has personal knowledge of the contamination, will now explain further. Uh, good afternoon. Um, some very credentialed scientists have contacted me in the last week and presented me with evidence uh, that I believe in the time that I've had uh, to investigate and to consult um, does represent um, the very high possibility of uh, harmful and damaging ingredients um, in the vaccine. Now, these uh, ingredients are not listed um, on the data sheet, um, and we suspect that uh, MedSafe may have no knowledge of them um, and have been attempting to get, uh, get communications with the relevant um, authorities. Now, um, plainly, um, from my perspective, uh, being involved in health, and I have to 
uh, disclosing, of course, that I'm currently suspended by the Medical Council. Uh, I'm not, I'm not until, entirely sure why, but nevertheless, as a, as a private citizen... Uh, sure, and you, you, you may still address me as Dr. Shelton, by the way. Um, yes, well, it speaks to the, to the very important role of public health. Uh, and, you know, there is no more pressing and urgent uh, matter that really should um, get the attention of everybody, including the Health Select Committee, actually, that we, we investigate this very new information uh, and, and disprove it if possible. Um, you know, there's, there's a very high bar that we need to have. Uh, for um, you know, safety of, of pharmaceuticals. Of course, natural health products have a much lower bar, um, but you know, that, that threshold for um, investigating possible safety issues has easily been met, in my opinion. Uh, and you know, we have a responsibility to take this evidence um, you know, higher and higher uh, until we get somebody to, um, to, to investigate it. The, the matter of concern rising from this is that we have a so-called public health system in New Zealand. We have hundreds of policy advisors and other advisors, and yet when there is an immediate concern of a product that is non-compliant, contaminated, and may cause risk to human health, and indeed has been directly associated with death, and which is extremely concerning around the world, nobody is prepared to step up and do something. A public health system that does not achieve that is not a public health system. So, uh, okay, so there's another 10 minutes of, of that particular video, but it's... Uh, it's, it's made the point, I think they, they found contamination or they found something that may be contamination that looks like it's uh, metallic or circuits or something, something that needs to be investigated. So there's obviously something in there. That's three different groups now that have found something in the Pfizer vaccine. There's something in there that shouldn't be or there's something in there that we're not being told about. I have no idea what. Uh, I'm just asking questions. I don't know the answers to any of these questions, really. Um, but um, but I'm obviously not going anywhere near it until we find out what's in, in there. I'm probably not going anywhere near it anyway, just on principle. Uh, because if they're not telling us, then uh, they shouldn't be in charge of health. Basically, it's, uh, I think it's everybody's right to know what's being put in their body. And, and what the consequences might be. Um, any thoughts on that, Lawrence? Um, yeah, plenty. I mean, but th then you have to go into uh, basically the conspiracy. Um, and, uh, yeah, then you go to the fact that uh, it's about control. Putting, uh, like, um, um, there was this, uh, like I said, that... that uh, the Dutch David Eichheim type, he already talked about this in 2007, warning people that they would come out with vaccines with nanotechnology in it. And uh, so I, I think that's true. I have, of course, I have no proof. I don't know. I don't see anybody um, who has taken this vaccine who acts weird or strange or anything. But um, I personally think it's true. And then you get to the conspiracy where it's all about control. And then when... when um, Elon Musk put up his satellites. You can be tracked and traced, and, you can, and they can track everything that's happening inside your body. They can follow you. So, if you're a believer in that conspiracy, then then that makes sense. I I believe it, but 
I have no proof. And I, I'm just always going for the most extreme thing. And if it then doesn't turn out to be true, it's only a relief. <laughs> That's my approach. But, yeah, so I think um, what they're finding, what they're exactly they're finding um, – if that's what they were talking about. So, yeah, I, I feel that that's correct, probably, that they are trying to do this in, for control, for, um, yeah, but like the Bible said, talking about the mark of the beast and all that stuff. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's what it is. But we'll see. We'll see what, what they come up with. Uh, that's my thoughts yeah, on I'm, that. I, yeah, I, I do the, the opposite end of the scale. I'm waiting for the waiting for the evidence before I make my mind up on whether there's a... The control thing going on. Obviously, it's possible, but uh, I'm not coming down on that side until I've seen evidence of it. And uh, the, the Spanish group and the and the Italian group that found um, nanoparticulates or uh, graph, what they thought was graphene oxide. They're not saying graphene oxide anymore hmm. on this video. Anyway, they're saying nanoparticulates now, which is a slightly broader thing. So. Maybe they've come to the conclusion that it's not graphene oxide, and that they're just not being specific about it. So I don't know. I don't. I, I didn't. I didn't really believe the, the Spanish group, uh, and then the, the Italian group came out with similar evidence, and now this this evidence is from New Zealand. So that's three separate groups of people that have found something that mm -hmm. that shouldn't be there or isn't supposed to be there. Uh, yeah. Which makes me very, very much more suspicious about the whole thing. I was already suspicious, but um, very much more suspicious now that there's some scientific evidence to back that up. Um, but I don't know what it is, and I'm not going to claim to know what it is. And and we can work it out as we go along with evidence. We don't need you don't you don't need to jump to a conclusion about the mark of the beast uh, when there's scientists trying to find out what it actually is. Uh, mm -hmm. You can just wait for the scientists to come up with the evidence, really. As long as you don't go near the vaccine in the first place, then then it's not a problem. It's only a problem if you've said yes and you've had the vaccine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. True, but I mean, um, in terms of um, looking if nanotechnology is real, that is real. We know that. And, that, and so that, that, that then putting them together, putting it in a vaccine and injecting it into people, could be true. I'm not saying it's happening, but um, I follow that line, and I, I I I go I go for the instance that it is true, and I'm always like this. I rather go for the worst and having it not being true than underestimating it and it being true. So, but like you said, you're right. If you don't take it, then then you can just sit back and see what they find. So that's also good. So I'm in the middle. I mean, personally, I go for the worst, but. Uh, yeah, let's see. Um, I mean, I'm, at least I'm still not forced to take anything, so uh, I'm I'm not bothered with it. There's more scientists looking now as well. It's it's become I think it's become much more of a of a thing that the scientific community is talking about uh, amongst themselves. So there'll there'll be people looking at at this stuff now. So yeah, there'll be more, be more evidence. Also argue, if there's no uh, in there, then we'll find it ultimately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure, of course they find it. The problem is, of course, will, will it be able to be uh, widely publicized? Will it be accepted by the mainstream? Um, and then, of course, people who have taken it, they're, yeah, they're going to have then wonder, what, do they have it? Or it's going to be a huge uh, 
thing to to release, even if you know the truth. How are you going to bring that to the people? You know, if if you have taken three shots and it's actually turned out to be a problem, it's not so easy to tell this to people. No, it's not. But uh, there'll be a big compensation claim in there if it if the vaccine's been contaminated with anything. Then there's a compensation claim sitting there waiting to happen from every single person that's taken the vaccine. Oh, for sure. But yeah, what's, what's, got, what's that going to do? If it's going to shorten your life uh, or, or going to make you sick or whatever, or, or even if it doesn't make you sick, uh, still, there was something that you didn't want to have or that you didn't need. I mean, I think in Australia, I read it on my show, they already, a um, couple, uh, like a month or two ago, they already uh, started compensating like 10,000 people for, who had some damage. So they definitely... Uh, open for but always the compensation doesn't come from the companies from the Pfizer or something it comes from the government from the taxpayer that's always a strange thing yeah that's the way they get the that's the way they get the research done they have to indemnify the the big pharmaceutical companies uh, it's been like that for 30 years not since about 1984 or 86 something like that so it's uh, that's not going to change anytime soon unfortunately yeah but yeah, I, yeah, we'll see. But um, yeah, it, it, yeah. At, at first, I always at, from the very beginning, I, I never was a fan of vaccines anyway. You know? I, mean, I went to Asia a couple of times to travel, and they always scare you like you need to take this vaccine or that vaccine. And then I did some research and I asked people there, and I said, "Oh, don't worry." So I never, I never took anything and I traveled around. If I would go to Africa, I would be careful with malaria for sure. But. Um, most of the time, I'm never a big fan of it. I believe in in the in the possibility to heal most things yourself and, and with natural things. And if it's really something we don't know, yeah, then better stay away from it. But but I was never a fan of injection. Then forcing it on people and massively, and then and it, the well way it went, it was so quickly developed that it's even possible. Robert Malone said that it's not possible to develop it that quickly. It was like he said, if you change a little bit the budget and, and you do out a few changes. I think he said you could do it maybe in five, six years to make a good vaccine, even with a new technology. And suddenly they have it in one year or two years. That that, that already doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, the technology's been sitting there for years waiting, waiting to be approved and they couldn't get it approved. So they needed it, they needed an emergency use authorization to even get it get it approved for use because it, it wasn't being approved under normal circumstances because it was too dodgy. Yeah, exactly. So then it becomes a big experiment because even though you have your technology, you're, you, yeah, you, I don't know how much, how well they tested it, but apparently it's, with all the people who have suffered from it, it definitely looks like it's been a big test on the, on the populations for a big part. Yeah, I mean, the other thing they've done is, uh, in the US at least, I don't know about the UK yet, is the, the gene editing technology, the CRISPR technology has got an emergency use authorization as well now. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, uh, that's a dangerous set of technologies they've ever assaulted. Yeah, for sure. But you can also look at it from this, if you, if you see where it started, you can go way back. It started also with, um, with animals, they started, of course, uh, injecting animals against viruses, against diseases, and and also uh, the wildlife. You know, uh, farmers and everything. They have to use certain products, and uh, and then the next logical step. I think David Ike mentioned this once. Like 
you know, if you're going to um, genetically uh, uh, change things, uh, at the end of it, then what's left is us, you know. And you're already being, if you change genetically change food, you're also already being a little bit genetically changed. And you don't even need a vaccine. It's already happening through what you eat or what you drink even. You could maybe put it, they also talked about putting vaccines in food, you know, like, so it, it can go, yeah. You can go many ways with it if you if you want to follow these kind of theories or uh, that stuff, where it might go or where it comes from, and, and it's been. But the point is, that it's already been there for a long time. This um, this uh, kind of uh, changing of genetics, and uh, it just wasn't happening on on humans yet. Yeah, speaking of David Icke, I've got a, I've got a couple of David Icke clips to play now as well. So yeah, yeah, also uh, some good stuff. Do that. This one's uh, this is about eight minutes, so we'll just uh, I'll just let him do his talk, and he's uh, he's good at it. He's been doing it a long time, so I'll just let him do what he does. Really, the outcome this Hunger Games society, the global structure would be a world government dictating to every community in the world, not least through technology. And the end of countries. I've been writing about this since the 1990s, the plan to bring an end to countries. The European Union is part of all this. And so what they've been doing in this COVID era is getting governments to utterly, utterly bankrupt themselves by this. I mean, you're homeless. You're hungry. Oh, we haven't got the money for that. We can't do anything about that. We've got no money. COVID. How much do you bloody want for, you know, money's been handed out like confetti and thrown at this, uh, thrown at the world like confetti. Unbelievable amounts of money. I read an article, I was staggered, I had to read it twice, a couple of days ago, that was saying that 80% of the dollars in circulation have been put into circulation in the last two bloody years. Yeah, I think that's true. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So this has been done systematically. Because although they may, you know, you know, go about their business, these countries are now utterly, utterly bankrupt. But they've done something else. They have put so much fake money created out of nothing into circulation that inflation is going through the roof. And it's not really come through yet. Uh, to the extent that it's going to. And inflation is a, a, a long-winded way of saying the prices are going to go up of everything. It's unbelievable some of the price rises in America already because of this great infusion of bloody money this mor moronic man Biden has put in. Well, not him, his handlers. And also they have systematically broken down the supply chain. And I say systematically because... Um, I've seen um, interviews with people working at container ports and places where goods are moved through who've, been, who've said we've been told to hold on to things, slow everything down. What's, why would they do that? Because the supply chain delays add to the inflation, the price rises, because the scarcity drives the price up. So everything is going up. I mean, you know, people on low incomes, are, I, I don't know how they, how they cope. They probably don't. 
because of what's happening now. A form of control. Absolutely a form of control. Oh, yeah. oh well, well, we'll, we'll give you, I'll tell you, I'll show you, I'll tell you where this is going. Uh, it's been, I've been writing about this for ages. This, this is where it's planned to go. I, I say where it's going. This is where it's planned to go. Um, and so you have this um, uh, situation where we'll, we'll help you out. You can have a guaranteed income. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Now, this is something else. And we're coming back to one of the great, great, great global centers of operation of this cult, China. Operates in Europe, yes it does, but China is becoming the real, real center in which it's been played out. So, over the, and I, you know I mentioned earlier, everything connects in the end, that you've got this, this web, this web of, of secret societies, this cult. And they control and own the United States government as they control and own the Chinese government. So, and they own the American corporations, they own Silicon Valley, they own the World Health Organization, they own the uh, big pharma cartel, they own the regulators of government that's supposed to regulate the big pharma cartel, but don't, they give them everything they want, because the same cult owns it all, right? This is how it works. So decisions have been made by American corporations and corporations in Europe and around the world, Western world particularly, and by the, uh, the American government, to outsource production, where? To China. China is, as, uh, over the decades since the war, has become the dominant um, source of production for so much. Do you know something like 80-90% um, of um, antibiotics in America start out life in China? Um, and, and so much of uh, 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 American um, goods and services, uh, what, what they, what they uh, need to run society, now comes out of China. So you've handed China control of the world economy. You've certainly handed China control of the supply chain, because if that stops, then what are you going to do? So you um, are looking at a situation where they have hold the economy under the waterline and it's going to become more and more and more obvious and they want to wind it, wind it up to the point where there is total global economic chaos. That's what they want. Creative destruction, destroying the status quo. And what they want is for people, and I keep warning about this, they want people to blame their individual government for the, the chaos and the um, upheaval. They want you to blame the Johnson government. They want you to blame the American government. They want you to blame the French government. Because this cult, in its various guises, that controls, indeed created by the Rothschilds and others, the world economic system, as it is, financial system, they want to be able to come forward. This is in their own documents as the saviors. The world is in this terrible state and you, um, you're in this economic turmoil and desperation and deprivation. We can sort it out. What we're going to do is we're going to forgive all the debt that you have. But in return, we want all of your assets we want your home, we want everything. 
And this is the Klaus Schwab line. You will own nothing but be happy in effect. Right? You will own nothing. This is the whole idea. And um, all this has been in my books for so long, well before the COVID era. They um, want to bring an end to private property. Private property gives you what? It gives you some sort of stability. It gives you some sort of independence. They don't want people having independence. They want people under um, dependency. So the move is to replace private property with everyone renting. Why are these massive global um, operations? Is it BlackRock? And uh, these big conglomerates, even Lloyd's now in this country, why are they buying up fantastic amounts of property? Whole neighborhoods of property. And what do they say they're going to do with it? Rent it out. And what that's doing as they do it, it's driving up property prices in America because they're, they're, what they're, they're, they're buying them on, in great numbers. And it's taking private property out of um, circulation more and more and more. And as people um, fall into this um, economic nosedive, suddenly they're not going to be able to pay their mortgage anymore. So they're going to lose the property. All right, that was from the uh, the interview we did recently with Looking Up. Was another bit from that still. Gone from fear, biology. Uh, interview. How does money play in this? Because this is something you've talked about for 10, 20, 30 years, and it's another way to get fear based into people. How does that component? We touched on it with universal basic income. Yeah. But how does that play into the end game here? And how do you try to tell people to understand? money and how it controls us because besides fear of health it's probably the things most people are scared of like you said it it got people to make decisions they well, didn't want to make if, if 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 we're talking about other points in this script as we move on this is a big one um so you want to control the population in other words you want to take their freedom away so what is freedom in one sense? Freedom is choice. The more choices you can make, the freer you are. The fewer choices you can make, the less free you are. And in the way that this cult has systematically structured global society, the vast number of choices that you would like to make are limited by lack of money whether you have it or whether you don't have it. So in the end, people say, oh, these, these, these elite, these 1%, they're so greedy. Yes, they are, because psychopaths. But that's not the main motivation for the money system and control of money. Control of money's prime objective is control of people 
via control of choice. And by controlling choice, you control freedom. So with a basic income, you are in effect completely controlling choice because you can choose not to have the basic income, but where else are you going to feed your family? And if you have it, then we're going to tell you what your choices are, and it's to do what we say. And this great reset um, touted by psychopaths like um, Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum is fundamentally about changing global finance. So, and I've been writing about this since the 1990s. I think 1903 was the first time I wrote about it. It's to create a single world currency that will be digital. There will be no cash, which means every transaction is trackable, etc., etc. That's the idea. Um, and so the way they work is something uh, you might call creative destruction. This is your goal. This is your outcome. This is the status quo of the moment, whether it's financial or societal, whatever. If you're going to get from here to there, you have got to destroy there until it's got there. So let, let's give you an example. First World War, the complete global status quo was transformed in the First World War. Countries, borders were drawn, new countries appeared. The centralization of power uh, uh, increased dramatically. And so the status quo before the war became the status quo after the war. Much more centralization of power. They then played the Second World War, another destruction of this status quo. So now the status quo has come here, even more centralization of power, not least in the area of finance, World Bank, Bretton Woods Agreement, uh, uh, and uh, International Monetary Fund, all of that stuff. And so all the time they're moving closer and closer by destroying the status quo and then um, imposing another one, then eventually destroying that and moving on. So what they want to do is want to crash the world economy. Been talking about this for a long, long time. They want to crash the world economy. Now, if you look, I mean, you know, you, 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 um, you know about finance, obviously. But if you look at what's happened in the COVID era, because so many things have happened, you see, yeah. it's not just the, the, the virus and the vaccine, fake vaccine. There's, there's lots of other things that come out of this. They have hold under the waterline the global economy. Um, it's almost not for a lot of people, but for for quite a number of people, it's basically we're in the phony war or even a better analogy. The ship's been hit by the missile under the waterline, but ain't quite started sinking yet to the extent that you can see it, although you're beginning to. The crypto thing that they do, which I'm not participating in, 
Uh, I'm suspicious about London Rail, quite honestly. I don't really like the guy who, who runs it, but he's he's done some good good things. So you've got to give him credit for what he's done that was positive. Uh, but just be suspicious about everything else. Um, yeah, so David Icke's been around for a long time, and he's very clear about what he says. Some of, again, some of what he says is extreme. Some of it is um, is off off in a off in a world that I don't go into. But uh, but a lot of what he says is is coherent, and a lot of what he says is real. You've just got to be careful about what you believe and what you don't believe, I think, with David Icke, uh, because he'll publish whatever he feels like publishing. Um, and he borrows a lot of things. He borrows a lot of material from other people's books, all of the Saturn material, all of the Moon material that he's published recently came from other people's books. It was other people's work, really. And he, and he did give them credit for it. I think it was Tal- somebody Talbot. I can't remember his name. Did the satin the satin material? Um, anyway, thoughts on David Icke, Lawrence? If you're around, uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Michael Talbot. They talked about Michael, Michael Talbot. Talbot. That's the one. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I find him in many things spot on, but yeah, exactly. I don't. Um, there's a lot of things I also don't think uh, that are going too far with the whole Moon Matrix stuff. What he was talking about years ago already. I was at first interested, and then I thought, mm. but yeah, he's yeah. Many things you've said, he was right, basically. But but yeah, does that mean he's some kind of prophet? No. Does he mean you have to believe everything or follow him? No. But um, it can be a good guideline to see how things play out and take bits of it. That's what I do, and uh, and he's not the only one. There's some others uh, who say the same thing, and uh, yeah. But I find him always, um, yeah. A good, uh, good with, with these kind of predictions. You can see that also when you talk about the world with the economy. You can see that that's happening for a long time. You see everything being merged into one. They, they were already talking about uh, the European Union becoming basically um, the one to create a European army. That's happening because um, there are some Dutch podcasts, uh, the Police for Freedom here in the Netherlands. They do their own interviews with people. And they had interviews with people here in the military. And they say, yes, they are moving to a European um, uh, military and they've been downgrading and downsourcing the Dutch military for years so all those things they are correct so so you just take what he says and, and you check around and you can see okay this is correct and that's not correct so but yeah I find them always a, for the most part a good source to, to, to take information of but I always remain skeptical with everything and yeah and then you'll see that's basically yeah, my I point I remember I saw him speak in, in 1999 uh, at uh, Conway Hall, which is in Red Lion Square in, in, the cent- in the centre of London, but slightly off the West End. So it's kind of off the beaten track a little bit. Uh, and there was about 3,000 people. Uh, it can hold about 3,000 3, people, I think. So it's quite a big place, all in all. It's a, an old Victorian um, it's a lecture hall. It's a public lecture hall. I think it was built as a public lecture hall or as a library, and there's uh, there's lots of community groups based there now. But it was it was a very full on talk. I mean, it was a it, the biggest secret had just come out, and and he was talking about um, 
the royal family shape-shifting into, into lizards as he does. But it was mm-hmm. the first time we'd spoken about that material, so it was very hard-hitting at the time. And I, I left there shell-shocked. Quite honestly, I was totally shell-shocked. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I always, if I look at him, I always find him a little bit looking like a lizard. <laughs> I mean, if you look at his, how his expression, his face, you know, his eyes, how it moves or not moves, I always find him like, hmm, if, if we're talking about it, he, he looks a little bit like it, if I look at him, uh, his face. and But yeah, that's just me. Maybe I'm just seeing strange things. But, uh, yeah, I know that information, and... Uh, I found that also very fascinating. But uh, as I moved along over the years, I kind of yeah couldn't find much, a lot of truth to that. So I, I mean, there's there's other channels that I follow where they talk about this also. But I don't know. I I left that a bit. I just took the political stuff, which is is for a big part correct, and all the other off-world topics. Um, I don't know. Could be, but but yeah. I don't know. It's very hard to figure that one out. If that to find the right lines of uh, truth for that. Yeah, I mean the interesting thing about that he, was, he spoke for four hours, and I think he had about a ten-minute or fifteen-minute break in the middle of it, and he was clearly channeling. He was clearly a lot of it was was. I mean, it's rehearsed, and he's got slides, so he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. It's all pre-planned. It's channeling some kind of energy as well. There's clearly something energetic going on. Uh, I couldn't figure out exactly what, but uh, it was very, 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 just very, um, very clear and very powerful. He's he's a very good speaker. Yeah, true. But that's also what he said eh, himself. He mentioned many times that he was there in, what was it? South American Peru or something on top of the mountain, and he got this uh, this uh, this energy, and uh, and he had these visions that he was going to basically channel this kind of information. And uh, so, yeah, you might be right about that. So it's it's uh, it's definitely not easy to talk for four hours, and he did even longer. He did even I think he came to Amsterdam and he did like an eight-hour thing. So uh, how do you do that? You know, you, that's not that's also not uh, very easy for a human to do. Yeah, he's, he's, he's obviously got something more than just what's going on. I find, I find it interesting because it took somebody like David Icke to break this over. It's taken, I mean, he's been working at it for 30 years. And it's such a hard job. It was such a hard job to get me turned around to any of this stuff that I know how hard it is to turn anybody else around to it. So... He's been literally been working at it every day for 30 years. So I think I'll give him credit for that. If I, even if I don't believe what he's saying a lot of the time, I'll give him credit for the work he's put in because it's astonishing. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. I mean, you're going completely against the grain. and um, I didn't find it very hard to follow or to accept a lot of it. But, yeah, you, you see, uh, like I said, the more you move... Along the way, the more you see certain things don't come back or you start to suddenly stop here and talking less about it. Like the whole Moon Matrix, he was very big on that for a while and then suddenly I didn't hear much from him about that anymore. So, yeah, it's always, yeah, you got to keep your mind open and just take what you resonate with. And uh, But it's definitely, uh, yeah, <laughs> a hard job to, but 
to do that. And, and because I did that, he opened up also the channels for others to do it and to look into it and to share it and at least have the discussion going to see what what might really be going on there and uh, and be open about it, not not being completely being put away like you're mad or something, you know. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean that's that's the point really is to not not dismiss an idea just because it sounds like it's nonsense because a lot of the a lot of the good ideas we've got now were nonsense two hundred years ago. They're just ahead of their time, you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's taken a long time for, for I mean, they're, they're talking about nanotechnology now, but 200 years ago, that was science fiction. Yeah, sure. And ev- everything that we're doing now was science fiction, even like 50 years ago. So it was no, it was, it was somebody's imagination and it wasn't a real thing, but it's become a real thing. And there's about a there's a forty to fifty year lag between whatever's being published now and whatever happens in 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 forty years time. It'll it'll gradually seep through from fiction into into science and then and then it becomes mainstream and it becomes kind of the whole the whole world ultimately. I mean that's the way that's the way the marketing channels push everything. It's once you've got Things up to a up to a production scale where you can you can mass produce. Then you, you can flip the whole world in about a year just by putting something on the market when it's the right time. And um, I don't think it's the right time for nanotechnology yet. I don't think that, that with a bit of luck it might never be the right time for nanotechnology. But uh, we might be able to delay it for a few years and get some legislation in place if nothing else. Yeah, that's a it all uh, also depends on uh, how many people are aware of it, I guess. But um, there was, I, I don't know where I can find it, but I saw a good interview with John Cleese once also talking about this problem in um, in the medical world where where you are fighting against the status quo, basically. And if you discover something new um, in terms of uh, uh, health issues and, and, and solving it, it still takes a long time before it gets accepted. Because the, the old ways are so, uh, there's so much bureaucracy around it. You know, this is the way, and they, and they're not really open often for real, uh, for real change. So if that happens in these kind of institutions, uh, you can only imagine how long it takes before it will finally things will be accepted and we, we accept a new way. But but he said it a lot better because he was he was always interested in these kind of things and psychology and all that stuff. But he mentioned that also that it, uh, that there were very good people in that world talking about uh, about real solutions, and it took them a long time—five, sometimes to ten years—to finally get it accepted and to see that they were right about certain diseases and things and the treatment of it. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's absurd actually that it has to take so long that to to move on. Well, it depends. It's a, it's a safety mechanism as much as anything else. I mean, for all we're complaining about the time it takes to get to get new techniques in, I'm also complaining about nanotechnology moving too quickly. So you can't have it both ways. You either you either want progress and change, or and accept nanotech, or accept whatever's coming down the pipeline, or you resist it, or you or you're neutral about it. And, and to me, the, the resistance is as important as the change. Because then you get to test everything. 
it's only if it's only say two percent of people will buy into new technology, two percent are early adopters. It might be more than that, but in in double glazes and sales, which is what I know about, it's usually it's two percent of the people you ring. If you call, call, and it'll actually be show some kind of interest, uh, and then it's a much smaller percentage of that will actually buy anything. So it takes two percent to change the world ultimately, to be open enough to change the world, and the other ninety-eight percent will lag behind. But then, if the, if that two percent make a mistake, then that's a test on two percent of the population. It's not the whole population all at once. So mm-hmm. the resistance is as important as the openness. And I think um, I, I love being open to new new ideas, and I love being open to to new technology. I'm very much an early adopter, but uh, but at the moment I've got to the, I've got to the age now where I'm just saying no to a lot of things and letting somebody else do the testing because I'm I'm not interested in being a guinea pig anymore. I didn't mind when I was 20 years old. I was enthusiastic mm-hmm. when I was 20 years old. But uh, but at 56, I'm less enthusiastic about being a, a guinea pig yeah. than I was. Uh, Lawrence, we're coming to the end of the show. Can, do you want to tell people where, to, where they can find you online? Um, yeah, I uh, still do my uh, show on top in uh, a world gone mad. And now I, I, I put a, a steady hour on it. But since now I'm back to work and they changed my hours again. It's not sure if I can make it, but... Uh, I was doing it uh, almost every night, 8 o'clock here, uh, Central European time. But like I said, now I'm not sure what the time will be because I changed my schedule, uh, working hours. But anyway, that's my show, The World Gone Mad on Poppy. And uh, I'm going to try and do more different things also, but that's the main thing I'm doing for now still. All right, awesome. I'm doing two radio shows, so I'm doing the Tuesday morning show, which you're listening to now, and I do a show on Saturdays as well, both of which get published to the podcast, both called Free Association. Uh, this one's the round table. The, the Saturday show is just called Free Association, and um, and you can find the podcast anywhere that you can listen to podcasts, Spotify, Player FM, um, Pandora, all of those types of places where you can find music or podcasts. So I think we're coming up to the end. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up now. And uh, I'll see you next week, Lawrence, if you're around. I'll, I'll ring you anyway, if, and we'll just play it by ear. Yeah, yeah, I should be free then, so I should be um, also um, joining you then. Yeah. All right, excellent. So thanks for listening. Just uh, obviously a quick, quick reminder that Rev Radio is listener-supported. So if you've got uh, $5 or $10 in your, in your pocket that you might be able to send in our direction, uh, come down to revolution.radio and you'll find a donate page on the menu and you'll be able to give something monthly or just set, send a one-off donation. If you can, if not, come down and t- take part in the chat room. Uh, but we'll see you next week and have a good week. Take care, man.
listening to Revolution Radio. This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. You opposed government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. We did not engage in conflict that was out of line with our mission. Is it disloyal? Is it treason to oppose the hands of tyranny? Never! I will never send troops anywhere on a mission of that kind without telling them that if somebody shoots at them, they can darn well shoot back. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty! Oh, give me! A dark cloud is finally lifting across the world as U.S. military intelligence and their global partners are destroying the deep state criminal power structure that has ruled over our planet for hundreds of years. We are free with the God-given right, and we shall not give that right to any power on Earth. Hi, I'm Scott McKay. The world is at, and I am your host on The Tipping Point. On Revolution Radio, where every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, we bring you the latest in this ensuing takedown of this global criminal empire. That's an image of strength. You'll get the raw, hard truth here on The Tipping Point. So come join us Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, in Studio B at Revolution.Radio. This is Jim Fetzer inviting you to join me on The Raw Deal, Revolution.